Frosty the Snowman was a Rasta man. Frosty the Snowman was the Rasta man. Yeah. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year's. My name is Mark. I'm here with my co-host Jay. Yo, what's up? And we Frosty are coming to you talking about Frosty the Snowman. Frosty the Snowman. Christmas stuff for our Christmas conspiracy episode. That's right. Joining us today, as always, is our permanent, temporary, permanent guest, Chris. He'll be joining us in a second. But for now, we are just welcoming you to another awesome edition. Thank you for listening. And uh, yeah, let's get going. Let's play a little bit of a Christmas song to get you in the mood. Maybe some Frosty and the Snowman, brother. But yeah, wait, we buy, say, and don't you cry, I'll be back again someday. Come on. Oh, yeah. Frosty the snowman was a man made of snow. On the microphone, he would dance all your know, make the ladies say, I'll make the good boys say, oh. And this is how the people rag them up in flow. No prospect to the love shack. My selector for this track. Now, we were the rookers, but I mean now, a ego. I learned called Jamaica, and a big boy's man to go. I'm on the road to dance, I'll a top celebrity. And I'm on the road to dance, I'll be the one named Frosty. Lord of mercy. Frosty the snowman was a top celebrity. Ripping up the microphone in a dance all style But then one tragic night, while all the massive dance and sway. Frosty got so hot, the tea began to melt away. Frosty the snowman was a man made of snow. Now he's just a puddle of H2O. Now everybody's sad and everybody feeling low. But the children find the magic hat to bring him back, you know. Well, must have been some magic in that Rasta cap they found. Cause when they place it on his head, he said, Selector, come down. the snowman was a jolly happy soul. With a conga pipe and a button nose and two eyes made out of coal. Yes, sir. the snowman was a fairy tale, they say. He was made of snow, but the children know how he came to life one day. Frosty the snowman once again made of snow. One love to all the masses, but I really have to go. I'll always love Jamaica, but I'm going to Buffalo. That's right, it's Yuletide season. That time of year when friends and family gather around the old pine tree and share gifts and stories and jokes and all that fun stuff. And rituals. Rituals, yeah, like praying to Satan. Well, I don't know. Maybe unbeknownst <laughs> to them, they're praying to Satan or doing rituals otherwise. But I'd hope so at least. But yeah, today, as Chris mentioned, we're going to be talking about all the festivities of this part of the year. You know, not only do we have Hanukkah that just passed, but there's Christmas coming up. Kwanzaa. Who the hell knows when Kwanzaa is? I don't remember anything about Kwanzaa in school. Other than they told us it exists. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, but they, there was a picture of, of people standing around a table with fruit on, on the table. And that was Kwanzaa. That was our definition of Kwanzaa, fruit sharing. So I imagine it's just a really tropical Happy version Kwanzaa. of Christmas, dude. And I probably would rather be a Kwanzaanian than a Christmasian. So anyways, back to... <laughs> The real topic today, we are going to be talking about conspiracy theories, as always. The conspiracy theories behind Christmas. The conspiracy Christmas. Dun, dun, dun. 
Christmas is that kind of thing. Everybody just has their idea about it. I think a lot of people kind of feel the stress around this time of year, and we're going to get into maybe some reasons why you're feeling stressed. That is interesting. Stress does happen during these times. It is the winter. There's less sunlight. That's true. There's less sunlight, less vitamin D, less uh, serotonin, I guess. Yeah. Because of the lack of sunlight. Yeah. At least that's what the scientists say. It's not very enjoyable to go outside and shit. Yeah, I mean... To go outside and, like, shit. Seasonal depression is one of those things they invented 50 years ago, and now we're all butthurt. But anyways... We're going to be talking about that today. We're going to be talking about seasonal a little bit depression. of Christmas. No, we're going to talk about a little bit of Christmas. But Mark, tell us about your seasonal let's, depression. Let's warm up today because I think one of my favorite things about Christmas is, is the songs, the Christmas songs. So let's play a Christmas song to get our yeah. get ourselves get warmed our spirits, up. Get our spirits flowing. All right. Our Christmas. Which one? Christmas songs aren't going to be copyrighted like that. No, they're if I not. sing it, it's not copyrighted. No, Christmas songs aren't copyrighted, dude. That's the whole... Well, that's, that's like the thing, well, dude. All these songs are free. That's why every musician has a Christmas album with the same fucking rain Rudolph and reindeer and Okay, going back now. 
from the song. Rudolph the <laughs> and that was the musical stylings of another beautiful Christmas hey, some artist. Person. You know, that's some person. That's the, really the most beautiful thing about this time of year is so many people get inspired to make great music. I mean, Jay, you just played a show the other night. How did that go, pal? Ooh, best show yet. Yeah, best show yet. How best so? show yet. Because I had symbols that made noise. Shout out to the previous guest of episode two from Chris the Adams. band garden. <laughs> I dude, funny story about that. We were he texted me, he was like, Yo, uh, I live on a huge ass hill. And I was like, Okay. Like what does that <laughs> have to do with anything? But once I got to his house, it you know what he meant, dude. His driveway was like a 45-degree <laughs> angle. My car was like spinning. The tires were spinning a little bit. Wow. And it bottomed out on my way out. But he like had the symbols ready to go in a bag. And then the show was in a basement of a church. This is a Charlie Brown Basement song. of a church. BYOB. For those that don't know, Jay is in a really cool band. One of the top young rising bands in Connecticut, in case top you didn't young know. Rising. <laughs> and that's just a common three shows, that's just a baby. confident thing to say. <laughs> three I mean shows. I can't take credit for that phrase, but you know. But yeah, the symbols made sounds and it was a sick show. Because we were very tight, as they would say, you know. That's tight. dope. That's dope. Well, back to the topic at hand. Today we are talking about Christmas, let's not forget. So you know, Black Friday, Christmas, a big emphasis on materialism. You would, would you guys agree with that, Chris? Oh, what do you most think? Definitely. I mean, are you right? <laughs> you right? I didn't hear what you said. <laughs> Chris has already tapped out. One, one blunt down. I was just, I was looking at these lyrics. Stay focused, buddy. We got this. Don't worry. We'll do all that in post. I thought. <laughs> so materialism seems to be like kind of a big theme these days with christmas it's like a big emphasis on what you're buying for people you hasn't know. it always been like that like yeah you can't say recently well, i can never afford anything for other, for other i mean people. in our lives it's always been like that but mm -hmm. i would say almost 50 years ago 60 years ago probably wasn't that crazy probably wasn't no. as emphasized to like spend as much money mm. i mean the great depression definitely mm. put a a hamper in that but guess what after the great depression once people started doing good guess what happened coca-cola hired a man named haddon sundblom haddon sundblom great name uh, to draw what we now recognize as the modern Santa Claus, the jolly white guy with the white beard and the red suit, you know, the guy that every middle-aged ugly dude wants to be the red power dressed suit. up as in a mall, you know, that kind of thing. Ringing that bell. <laughs> Ringing those <laughs> bells to come sit on my thigh. <laughs> well, anyways. Shout out to the Red Cross or whatever. So that... Whoever does that. <laughs> that was like a big turnaround because before... Coca-Cola went on that ad campaign and did that and made Santa Claus what he is today. People didn't see him that way. They saw him more like a kind of a, a lanky, tall guy, right? So Santa Claus didn't even come to America until the Dutch came, right? 
You mean the legend of Santa Claus didn't... And all the Dutch are skinny. And and tall. And tall. Well, I I mean, is that true? You've seen them? (laughs) No. (laughs) You've seen them all? I've never seen any Dutch people. Chris studies Dutch people. Well, I've seen them on Google Images. You can also trace... I've seen what Google told me. You can also trace the the story to um, to the poem "Twas the Night Before Christmas," and that's where the whole idea of like Santa Claus in a reindeer sleigh, a reindeer drawn sleigh with a big sack of toys. That's where that comes from. So that's like the 1800s. But Santa Claus came to America with the Dutch, right? Mm-hmm. And before that, in Europe, Santa Claus wasn't really celebrated like people were kind of like oh we're not gonna we're not gonna celebrate that kind of stuff anymore and they were christian religions right yeah in the protestant the protestants didn't believe in like worshiping any saints or anything yeah so it wasn't really like a big thing in america until the dutch brought what religion was the dutch well I Some think it was more like a cultural thing for the Dutch. Yeah, they were Christians, but they definitely... I mean, it's probably not all Christians. I don't know. Right. But, um, yeah, so in the history of New York, he's described as a portly man smoking a pipe. But before that, he was always seen as a lanky bishop. A tall, lanky bishop. Hmm. So why'd they make him fat? I think I think back then being fat was like a symbol of prosperity because if you were wealthy enough to afford to eat three meals a day, then that was like a sign. You know what I mean? Like that you ate a lot. Be- being fat was a sign that you had money because right. most people who couldn't. Was that you're like friendly? I'm, maybe, I guess. I don't know. I, that's what I heard from like my old Chinese boss. Like, <laughs> That people are generally. He said in Asia that was like a, always a symbol of like wealth was f- being fat, or maybe maybe not. Maybe I'm thinking. You got a little knuckle there. You get hit. So you said the Protestants <laughs> didn't want to celebrate. Uh, or sorry, back in Europe, people stopped celebrating. Yeah, it was the Protestant Reformation in the 1600s, and. Catholic saints were suppressed in a lot of regions of Europe, so the ideas of like saint, the saint that Santa Claus is based on, kind of went away for a while right. until the Dutch, who still held on to those stories of Sinterklaas. Are you familiar with Sinterklaas? Are you familiar with how uh, saints become saints? No, tell us. I'm not familiar with it. I, I, I think you get canonized by the priests. Like you do something oh. noble enough, and then priests based. It's like a, it's like a, like it, a award you get. It's they a lengthy agree. process, though. I remember there was, I grew up Roman Catholic, and in my church, there was a priest who passed away, and we used to say a prayer for him every Sunday for him to become a saint because they were like reviewing it or whatever, mm. oh. and it took like two years. I remember mm-hmm. saying a prayer for him like every Sunday for two years straight. Well, Do you know if he ever became a saint? I think he did, yeah. He definitely That's did, cool. I think. Well, St. Nicholas, who Santa Claus was based on, he was kept alive in the Netherlands through the stories of Sinterklaas, who would come <laughs> by in the winter and put gifts in your shoes. So the kids would leave their, 
their shoes and you would give them a, a him a snack for his his horses and he wore red bishop's robes and had little elves as his assistants but yeah that's where we kind of get the whole mythos of santa claus from right there is like what he actually does and what he does supposedly right that's what mm. they say but that goes all the way back even further but before that we've got a call from a little boy who has a letter for santa claus and we know that santa claus is going to be listening to this podcast because yeah. i mean he listens to all the kids and boys and girls across america and like i'm still a kid at heart so he'll be listening to this seeing whether i'm on the naughty or nice list so let's see let's hear uh let's hear a call from this listener dear santa claus this year i'm writing you a letter not to ask for myself but to ask for my older brother you see he seems really upset this year and i was hoping that you could get him a really cool gift because i don't think he believes in you anymore and it'd be really nice to put a smile on his face for once dear santa claus i was on my brother's search list and I found that he was trying to order a flashlight off of Amazon, but our parental blockers stopped him from using a credit card. Do you think he could make his wish come true and leave a flashlight under the Christmas tree this year? Thank you, Jimmy, for that wonderful letter to Santa Claus. We hope Santa helps you out in your troubled, troubled situation there. Sounds like a lot's going on in that house but anyways we are back to our bud triangle christmas special and right now we're going to be talking a little bit about the symbols of christmas like the christmas tree or the mistletoe or the yule log did you guys know that the mistletoe is a parasitic plant that grows on oak trees <coughs> and the druids of ancient Europe sought out this plant because it represented the solar spermatozoa. So what? what I mean by that is Can like a bit the more seed context? of life. The seed of life. Like the sperm <clears throat> of the sun. Spiritual life-giving energy, right? That's Why what it represented. Huh? Why? Well, let's see. Because it grew in trees, its roots weren't in the ground like other plants, right? Oh, okay. So that was kind of where they got the whole idea of it being lofty. But who knows? It could have been from some kind of mystical information that they got. You know, maybe some kind of chemical in the mistletoe to this day maybe hasn't been discovered that can do something interesting that mm -hmm. we don't know. You know, it might have some significant esoteric importance. Um, but it also says that when the weather turned cold, the leaves dropped from deciduous trees, revealing the sacred leaves and the waxy white berries, a promise of the return of the sun. So basically what that means is when the oak trees fell, like leaves fell, the mistletoe's leaves were still there, shining with the white berries. So that's kind of where this whole idea of mistletoe being involved with Christmas comes in because it happens around the winter solstice, right? So that goes back to the day, the 25th, the 24th, and the 26th. That's when the winter solstice happens every year. 
That's when the sun is at its lowest point and then begins its ascent back to the summer solstice when the sun is at its brightest, right? For our year. So what I mean by that is what happens in the winter? It gets dark at five o'clock. Mm-hmm. The sun doesn't come up in the morning until like five, six o'clock, right? Less day, daylight hours, more nighttime hours, right? The ancient sun worshippers called it the victory of the sun yeah, over but, the darkness. And I mean, sun worshipper might be even unfair in my opinion because it's like we're all connected to the sun inevitably, so... Like, whether you worship the sun or you recognize the sun or not, you're connected to it. Mm-hmm. So, and especially humans who didn't have, like, the houses that we all have right. now. Try to put the mic. Like- we have now, you know, the infrastructure, that all the comfort that we have. Like, the sun and the summertime, that was so easy, you know, like, compared to the winter. So mm-hmm. they really, like, look forward to the fact that they were, like, halfway through the coldest part of the year, you know? And they celebrated, like, we... Who's they? People all over the world. And that's kind of getting into where the Christmas tree comes from. So the Christmas tree is very interesting. The Christmas tree comes from the mystery of Adonis. And Adonis was kind of like the prototype for Jesus, Buddha, Krishna, all these different stories that we have about the sun god dying and then being resurrected in all these different cultures, you know, not to offend any Christian listeners out there, you know, Christmas is very much a Jesus thing in America, and Jesus is born. But really, I mean, anybody who educates themselves on religion, whether you believe in Christ or not, you'll find that even, you know, biblical scholars agree that the stories from the Bible are passed down from older times, you know. So what we have in History is different cultures using the same stories to get the same ideas across with just different names, different languages. So we have some names that you found, Jay? Even in the Bible, there's not any piece of writing that exactly says the time of his birth at all. Interesting. So maybe that was applied to him afterwards by the churches who were already using those pagan rituals. The only people who... like. After that, some I think some some people wrote about it that Jesus was crucified on the same day that he was conceived. I think that's in the Bible, or that was written by one of yeah. So he was born on the twenty fifth, died on the twenty fifth, resurrected well, on Easter. See, people also don't even know which date he died on either. Well, There's either like way, two different you know, dates. Jesus or not, that's a whole different episode for yeah. another day. But you know, but the date of his birth in the Bible is not defined at all. Okay, interesting. I didn't even know that or didn't find that in my research but what i did find is that adonis one of the oldest kind of of these myths which came from the babylonians the Assyrians, some of the first cultures that we know that wrote down and had written language written written records of their culture they worshipped the sun and they worshipped it under the name adonai and according to them adonis his mother, Shmirna, 
was turned into a tree by the gods. And after a time, the bark burst open and the infant savior came forth. So that's where we get this kind of infant savior, you know, this whole story of baby Jesus, this fascination with the baby savior. What know. religion was, was that? Adonis from? Well, that was the Babylonians and the Assyrians, the Phoenicians. Right. So okay. this is the uh, the mysteries of Adonis would be the proper way to describe this story. And Adonis and was also named. That was celebrated in Egypt, Phoenicia, and Byblos. Adonis, you could also call him Adonai, and that name, that word, means Lord. Mm. Okay. And the Jewish people took that word and used it for their the name of their god in their religion when they were writing their books. But what was piece of interesting? What was your question about the names? The other names? No, you got it. You got it. So uh we're all good there. We came we, we came around that. So um yeah, Adonis is interesting how his life kind of mirrors Jesus, but what is a little different is when Adonis died, he was gored to death, okay? Some say he was gored to death. Others say he was emasculated by himself, self-emasculation, under a tree, a pine tree. Bum, bum, bum. And those are some uh, wide, wide, uh... <laughs> Either he was gored to death or he self emasculated himself. Well, I Those mean, are pretty extremes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have different stories, you know, <laughs> different translations. People, you know... Things... Eh, it's either this or it's either that. Well, that's just the nature of translating things over time, you know. Okay. Things are going to get mistranslated, and then someone's going to find a primary source and be like, oh, no, it's this way. And then they're going to be like, well, no, this is it, you know. So, so it, like we were talking before, Persia had a very similar story with the, the father being, or God being the sun god, there being a mother who was conceived by the sun god and then bear a son who was the son of the god, or son of the sun god, and... They had completely different names for them, but it's the exact same story. And thinking about it on the ride over, I was even thinking that um, that story and the Christian Bible traditional story or structure of the father, the mother, and the son is like all yeah. the same. And that goes into um, like all the way back into the Roman times if we want to go into that now, but we don't have to. Yeah. Well, funny thing the, that Chris pointed out about the word gourd and how that's kind of different, a lot different than emasculating yourself. This says here in Manly P. Hall, a lot of the information we're using today comes from Manly P. Hall, The Secret History of the World. It's a great book. I recommend anybody buying it who's interested in this subject. It covers a lot of topics. But it says here that the word gourd might have been mistranslated from the word God. So they could have been saying that, yeah, they could have been saying that, uh, that he was turned into a god instead of killed, which, I mean, could definitely be the same thing. Like, they might have thought when he passed, he turned into a god. I mean, obviously, it's remembered to this day under a lot of names, but mostly Jesus in this country. And, right. uh, you know, it's the same story, but let's see. Basically... The whole thing was this happened in the winter solstice when he was died 
or when he was killed or when he died, whichever you story you take, he ended up under a pine tree somehow, right? So you were saying something about the Yule log, Jay, about how we burn the Yule log and that represents his reincarnation because so he died under the pine tree. Isn't the story there was the son, there was this guy in, I don't know, I read it all under these different names, but you, what you're saying is very similar. And it's like the sun god was <laughs> struck down somehow and then um, reincarnated himself into uh, a tree. Yeah. So his, in the ancient story, his name is Nimrod. And when he was cut down, his blood fell on a stump. And the stump grew overnight into an evergreen tree. A little, like, weird, huh? Evergreen. Isn't that the type of tree that we usually put in our house? Or is it a fir tree? Yeah. And, I mean, the Egyptians also, fir trees. Well, fir trees are the uh, European version. So, like, in the, our hemisphere of the world, we have, like, more of uh, like pine and juniper type evergreens, whereas right. in their part of the world, the only evergreens mostly are fir, fir trees. So in Europe, they use fir trees. Over here, we have different types of pine trees, so we use those, but it's the same. So yeah, the ancient story, he was reincarnated into a tree. And that, this is really funny because I was watching this random ass video on YouTube where Macaulay Culkin was in it, playing video games of Home Alone video games. <laughs> and he he very briefly said this weird part and it was because it's like trying to be comedy but he was like this evil tree once visited me and like went into this weird like little monologue about how this evil tree visited him and then like I was just like and then he said it was a joke but that makes like kind of a connection between everything you know yeah that's a weird tangent into like celebrity weirdos thought, but yeah i guess i mean tree. celebrity because occult. this is the same thing you know a evil tree, uh, holy uh, tree yeah holy tree <laughs> yeah i mean celebrities have been known to be interested in the cult and we all know macaulay culkin has quite a controversial history maybe a little bit of dark arts in his past mm -hmm. something with michael j right Soul michael jackson was murder allegedly according to some conspiracy theories by that doctor who's given him that the medicine <coughs> anyway. medicine with air quotes but back to topic let's go straight to the book because i think a lot of our listeners might be like all right well you guys are kind of doing a bad job of describing what is known to historians as the savior god myths uh, i'm interested in michael jackson conspiracy theories <laughs> <laughs> chris i'm right there with you dude <laughs> Um, I didn't even know there were Michael Jackson conspiracy theories. Dude, there's so many That'll celebrity deaths. Episode, episode we should seven. do a celebrity death conspiracy episode. Because there's seven. a lot of things about celebrity deaths. We're on Any. episode six. We're on the Christmas special. They could have right just now. died naturally. Tis the season, Chris, okay? Get Tis the season. Let me give you a fucking reason to believe in the Savior God, okay? The Savior God is a myth that's been told throughout many cultures, throughout many periods of time right so here's a little excerpt from a religious philosophy school in phrygia p-h-r-y-g-i-a and this savior god was known as Attis, very similar to adonis Attis, by many considered a synonym 
for Adonis. This deity was born at midnight on the 24th day of December. Mm. Of his death, there were two accounts. In one, he was gored to death like Adonis. In the other, he emasculated himself under a pine tree and there died. Weird. Wow. His body was taken to a cave by the great mother, Cybele, where it remained through ages without decaying. To the rites of Addis, the modern world is indebted for the symbolism of the Christmas tree. So that's Manly P. Hall, a religious scholar who studied lots of different spiritual things, saying that the Christmas tree basically comes from the story we're talking about here. Yeah. So, Addis, the mod- okay. Addis imparted his immortality to the tree beneath which he died, and Cybele took the tree with her when she removed the body. Addis remained three days in the tomb, rose upon a date corresponding with Easter morn. So that's where we get the whole... Christ mythos. Easter's three months. We start from to find, yeah, Christmas. we start to figure out that Christ might just be like an amalgamation of all these old stories of the Savior God into one, kind of repackaging it for the Catholic Church's uses, right? right. At mm-hmm. least that's my suspicion. So, by his resurrection, he overcame death for all who were initiated into his mysteries. So, anyone who <laughs> practices this ritual. Of kind of like faking your death, being put in a tomb for three days, and then being risen. Mm. That was that was like an initiation into the cult of the Savior God. That's how you joined into this kind of thing, right? And that's like properly how you would most likely become a priest, right? So that's where we get into the whole esoteric, exoteric stuff. Like the priests are there to keep the esoteric knowledge stream flowing forward throughout time whilst also keeping the public's minds away from this type of knowledge so that they can be easier controlled for whatever motive. Because knowledge has always been power. It's always Mm -hmm. been the original currency is knowledge. Because the more you know, the more powerful you can be. That's why the guy who invented horseback militaries took over the world that's why the next guy who invented the bow and arrow or you know the uh what's it called the crossbow i think that was the same guy genghis khan but either way (laughs) fuck shit up right alexander the great built the chariot Mm. fuck shit up right i might be wrong about that but i'm pretty sure he used chariots and that's how he fucked (laughs) shit up so that's what i'm saying knowledge is power and yeah, and that goes back to our second character in this Christmas conspiracy, Mr. Claus. So during the Roman times, Mr. Claus was actually known as St. Nicholas of Myra. And he was a bishop, a tall, lanky bishop, right? Going back to that tall, lanky figure that Santa Claus was associated with. And he was very generous and he was known to like do this kind of Robin Hood stuff where he would break into people's houses and leave them gifts and like help out the needy children and whatnot. Was that the Christian Romans probably had that? Not the pagan Romans? I don't know. It says that he was dedicated to helping the poor throughout his life and paying the dowries of impoverished girls. 
Oh, <laughs> old Nick had the dick. So Should that's probably that like <laughs> that's probably the uh, like a Roman Catholic, like yeah, the Roman Catholic version before, because what happened in ancient Rome was there was pagan Romans celebrating Saturnalia, and there was Christian Romans who probably w wasn't celebrating Christmas. That wasn't a thing. Interesting. Right? So I, I everyone know. in ancient Rome was basically celebrating Saturnalia. And when Christian Rome and, uh, like, the Christian populace, population started getting bigger in the Roman Empire, and there started to be conflicts, and then when Emperor... Constantine um, was the emperor. What he did was, uh, this is where the conspiracy comes in. He came in and he was like, okay, to squash the beef between these two religions, we're just going to create one religion, mesh everything together. Constantine? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to mesh everything together and create the Roman Catholic Church, And basically. that was in the year 30, 336, dude. Yeah. C.E., A.D. Sorry. Yeah, after AD. the death of Christ, AD. supposedly. And that's another thing I've always been like. What? Who? How? How much <laughs> of the world? What, the Roman Catholic Church? How, no, no, no. How much, how much percentage of the world is Christian? It's not the same thing as Catholic, though. Okay, just stick with me for a second, Chris. Uh-huh. How many, how many, how much of the world percentage-wise, believes in the Bible. Catholic, Christian, what, otherwise, whatever. Probably like 20%. Yeah, yeah, 20%, maybe less, Four, maybe 40, more, 30%. Yeah, some, it's, it can't be more than 20 or 30. Yet, the way that we measure time is calculated after the death of this like guy that only 20% of the world believes in like what are the Chinese people using for their years they're not using after death they're not using Christ as their measurement of time their fucking are, marker though. no dude I don't think they are I don't think they are I think that's that's just like my thought because when I saw that as a kid and I was like BC AD before Christ after death that's what I stand for well I thought when I, I when I was in school they told me that BC didn't actually mean before Christ it meant something it's else meant something else yeah but then what did AD mean what no, does AD, AD mean? It, it, BC is definitely before Christ we should fact check it honestly BC is before Christ I think, AD is something Latin yeah it's probably some ancient Latin stuff which is well, I which is ancient Latin Roman stuff and, no? It's, it's like something Deus, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, dude, it says BC stands for the before Christ. Wow. But AD, confusingly, stands for Anno Domini. Yeah. The go. year of the Lord, which is all that means. Lord's, the Lord's year. Wow. So are we still in AD right now? Is this 2018 AD? Here's Lord's year. What'd you say? Is this 2018 no, AD? AD? Yeah. 
but like that's what I'm saying. Like Chinese people, they don't believe in any of that. So why would they measure their years? It's not the year 2018 that's for a them. That's separate episode. A separate episode. Come on, we got to write these episodes. No, but down. I mean, we're talking about <laughs> Christmas, Christ Mass, right? And the years that we live our life under, right? They basically said, okay, this is how long we can remember time is. And we don't want to use these huge-ass numbers, so let's just stop here where Jesus was born and start the clock over? That doesn't make sense to me. I don't think that Chinese people are doing are on that train. Like, Marco Polo wasn't that much of a good talk, sweet talker. research into that. We should. That's, That's another cool, episode. I'm going to write that one down. Write that down, Jay. Put that in the future banks. What's it called? BCAD Controversy. I'll put it in the ideas. We got some controversy on that one. But, anyways, back to Saturnalia. That's interesting. So, Saturn, from an astrological perspective, this is from my knowledge, Saturn kind of represents like materialism and hard work, and like it's represented sometimes by like the skeleton with like the scythe. And that's like what kind of what we were talking about before that's with how Christmas connects. being like Black Friday and like materialism and all about buying gifts and stuff. That's how it connects. And then Saturnalia is this older religion that people were celebrating about Saturn. Well, it's not a religion. Well, it's not a. It's an older. It's a tradition. It's an, a, a mystery. A, uh, a it's ritual. a holiday. Basically, what I heard is it's it was started to be uh, a three day thing from December. Sorry, two-day thing. December 17th to, like, December 19th. No, that's three days. And what they would do is basically give gifts to each other and have, like, big orgies. And this was celebrated by the ancient pagan Romans, right? And this was celebrated in December 17th. And then what they did was, like, okay, three days isn't enough. Let's make it a week-long celebration. And it turned out to be a week-long celebration of just drinking and giving gifts and having orgies. And ended on December 25th, I'm pretty sure. Interesting. And you said it represents materialism. Because I was thinking to myself, like, how does these... How does the material ideas and like all that stuff relate to the pagan traditions? And that's how it relates. It's because of what Saturn represents. The Encyclopedia Romana describes Saturnalia as during the holiday, restrictions were relaxed and the social order inverted. Gambling was allowed in public. Slaves were permitted to use dice and did not have to work. Within the family, a lord of misrule was chosen. Slaves were treated as equals, allowed to wear their master's clothing, and be waited on at mealtime in remembrance of an earlier golden age thought to have been ushered in by the god. In the Saturnalia, Lucian relates that during my week, the Sirius is barred no business allowed drinking noise and games and dice appointing of kings and feasting of slaves feasting of slaves singing naked clapping of frenzied hands an occasional ducking of corked faces in icy water 
Such are the functions over which I preside. <laughs> that is just some weirdo shit right there. I don't know about any of that. That's that. That's what they did for so fun. So this is what they were celebrating most of ancient Rome, and when Constantine tried to mesh the two things together, they were like, "You can't take away our holiday, right?" And so he was like, "All right, we'll." keep the holiday because I think Saturnalia has something to do with the birth of the sun right well, and then because and like they have their own story of the sun god like I was saying the pagan the pagan religion you know so that's what Saturnalia was celebrating was the birth of that of that sun god wow dude and uh what I was just uh reading on uh the internet that China's history they have over 3,000 years of civilization yeah you know as that the, as the country China China I guess yeah so they're definitely not in the year 2018 years. dude what year is it in China look that up well I think they use the same years as us now for convenience but yeah but in their language they probably have a real year well, they had, they separated into dynasties, so I mean, uh, I don't know, I don't know what the fucking real year is for them. Are you seeing if that it's book says anything? I'm on pretty it? sure it's 2018 for them right now, for the convenience of the world. But that's crazy. I mean, the United States is uh, what? 300 years old. Mm. 1776. 340. 340. 50. In the language of the mysteries, the spirits of men are the powdered bones of Saturn. We should cut this part out. We're kind of not. Yeah. I will not that well, part. That what Chris said was interesting, but what I with this pause we should cut out. And here was my point: when Saturnalia was being on the brink of getting taken out of the religion, <clears throat> Constantine was like, "This is China's all right. What we're going to do is keep the holiday and change the name to Jesus. And that's when it became a holiday for Jesus instead of, I forget the name of Nimrod. So that's who they were celebrating? A guy named Nimrod or something? They were celebrating Nimrod's son. Oh. The birth of Nimrod's son. Oh, the guy I said before, Tammuz? Yes, exactly. Tammuz, T A M M U Z. That's interesting. So that's where Christmas probably was getting started. Was ancient Rome, when Constantine was the emperor and said, "All right, we're gonna have this holiday, and it's gonna be with Jesus instead of Nimrod's son." And then I guess everyone would have been like, "Yeah, I'm down." That is supremely weird, I would say. 
Yeah, I don't know. There's definitely like a big emphasis to just kind of believe in the stories we're told when we were raised, at least where I'm from. But I don't know. I think the more you question things and the more you find out, the more you realize that there's a lot of hidden truths out there that are just waiting to be uncovered. Right. I mean, I'm not saying any of this is definitely true. I'm just saying this is all just written texts, you know, of history. And we're back. That was another really awesome song. Christmas song. And uh, <laughs> I, uh, wow, I just can't get enough of these Christmas songs. I remember <laughs> when I was a kid, we would be driving up to my aunt's house for Christmas on Christmas morning. <laughs> and the same thing would come on Adam Sandler and he, his funny uh, old turkey Thanksgiving, whatever. There was like a Christmas one too, but you know what I'm talking about? I don't know the Thanksgiving one. I know the Hanukkah one. Yeah. Everyone knows the Hanukkah one. <laughs> that <laughs> No, Alice's Alice's restaurant. Oh, that's I think different. I, know that song. I don't know if that's Adam Sandler. But either way, Alice's restaurant would be playing and, uh, you know, we just always laughed at it. And then when I got a certain age, I just thought it was the dumbest song ever. But now yeah, I think I, fuck you. Now I appreciate it. Now you like it? Yeah, now I don't now wear the... on the train. Yeah, I used to listen to Beats by Dre instead of Alice's Restaurant. I have Christmas music 24-7 in my car. Why does he smell does. like a fucking candle in here, dude? I, I don't know. You smell that all of a sudden? Oh, um, I think Skipper burns incense sometimes. Oh, oh the studio's so getting incensed up. Probably incense. Speaking about burning incense, who actually burns a Yule log during Christmas? I've yeah, never seen us. it happen ever. 
Uh, you yeah, know, people I, who actually do that. I didn't even think that was a thing. You uh, burn the Yule Is that like a pagan thing? You. Well, it is a Christmas tradition. Like, t- I bet there are people who do it today. But there's a uh, in that Netflix. You've never show. heard of burning the Yule log? Netflix has a and Netflix a, has a 24/7 Yule log during really? Christmas. Oh, and the, and that's Sabrina the Teenage <laughs> Witch show. They burn a Yule log, and uh, it protects protects them from evil spirits. How long does the log burn? I don't know. I guess it burns forever because they're like witches. And they probably like enchant it or some shit. So the Yule log is a tradition. I, I've never done it. I've celebrated Christmas my whole life. Never seen any one of my friends do it, but it is something. And uh, so I guess you guys don't know anyone. <laughs> it's very uncommon then. Yeah, no, I've never. I've only heard of Yule log in like dumb songs and stuff. Where can I get a Yule log? A log of Yule. Our baker used to make. Really good Yule log cakes. Kevin used to make the best Yule log cakes, dude. My bakery. I said the bakery. You said our. I said the. Let's play back the tape. (laughs) Not playing back anything. Sell Yule log. Anyway. I'm a Yule log seller. (laughs) I'll bet you $5 you said our. What What would you say if I were to tell you that burning the Yule log is representing... Uh, the reincarnation of the sun god. No. Praise the sun. Well, I mean, if you were living in the winter time, and the solstice was there, it would be the coldest night of the year. So you'd, or at least the least sun of the year. So you might want a log that's gonna burn really long. Right. And keep all those little cold spirits away, because cold is spiritual death or at least a symbol of it yeah and that's a true fact says it in my book here secret teachings of all ages by manly p hall let me let me pop open flip to the right page (laughs) are you kidding me says it right here the mark of the dying god. <laughs> the myth of Tammuz and Ishtar is one of the earliest examples of the dying god allegory, probably antedating 4000 BC. The imperfect condition of the tablets upon which the legends are inscribed makes it impossible to secure more than a fragment account of the Tammuz rites. Being the esoteric god of the sun, Tammuz did not occupy a position among the first deities venerated by the Babylonians, who for lack of deeper knowledge looked upon him as the god of agriculture or a vegetation spirit. Originally, he was described as being one of the guardians of the gates of the underworld. Like many other savior gods, he is referred to as a shepherd Mm. or the Lord of the Shepherd's Seat. Tammuz occupies the remarkable position of son and husband of Ishtar, the Babylonian and Assyrian mother goddess. Ishtar, to whom the planet Venus was sacred, was the most widely venerated deity of the Babylonian and Assyrian pantheon. She was probably identical with Ashtaroth, 
Astarte, or Aphrodite. The story of her descent into the underworld in search presumably for the sacred elixir which alone could restore Tammuz to life is the key to the ritual of her mystery. Tammuz, whose annual festival took place just before the summer solstice, died in midsummer in the ancient months which bore his name and was mourned with elaborate ceremonies. The manner of his death is unknown, but some of the accusations made against Ishtar by Nimrod would indicate that she indirectly at least had contributed to his demise. The resurrection of Tammuz was the occasion of great rejoicing at which time he was hailed as a redeemer of his people. That's interesting that they say in the summer because over here I might I, Tammuz was not the sun though. What were you? What do you mean? That's what it says here. That's what we were talking about before. The dying sun god. And it says that he died in the summer solstice. So then, why is no? It says that his annual festival took place before the summer solstice. Oh. So they just celebrated the sun in the summer instead of the winter. It's still the same deity they're celebrating. Right. We just don't celebrate him that way. I mean, the 4th of July doesn't take place on the summer solstice. Memorial Day doesn't take place on the summer solstice. There's no other holidays in the summer for Americans. But, no, this is uh, this is the same person we were talking about before, Jay. It's yeah. the same page. I don't know how my foot magically opened this page yeah me I, and chris were kind of mind blown by that yeah that was nuts yeah well the magic of podcasting ladies and gentlemen that's why we need to have this on video because then people would have seen that and they would have also seen my uh past episode where i sat on a seat full of tacks mm. and they all shot into my thigh and i stabbed myself in the thigh with some tacks if they listen they live heard on it. the air well, you can go back and listen to episode five if you haven't. <coughs> Chris, our permanent temporary permanent guest, probably hasn't. It's okay, dude. Ow. That's a quote. <laughs> that a, oh, so you did see it. You jerk. My page fell out. Well, anyways, I think the moral of the story here is that Christmas is... Not exactly what we're told. Not exactly the birth of Jesus. Or at least it didn't start there. And a lot of this symbolism, like the pine tree, Jay, you're saying? The pine tree has some more symbolism? Evergreen. The evergreen. Well, that's yeah. a pine tree. A pine tree oh, is an evergreen. I didn't know that. That's well. The, all right, so there's two types of trees in the world. There's deciduous trees uh -huh. and there's evergreen trees. Okay. Evergreen trees don't shed their leaves. Right. Deciduous leaves do. Okay. There's a difference. Fir trees, pine trees, sycamore. Actually, maybe not sycamore. Fir trees, pine trees, juniper trees, they're all evergreen. So, yeah, we said that the redwoods. 
the the myth said that he grew into an evergreen tree overnight. So, um, doesn't specify what kind of evergreen tree. It, you see any fir connection tree. between a Christmas tree and it a said fir tree and a uh. evergreen tree? The symbolism between the Christmas tree that people bring into their house every year happens to be an evergreen tree. They decorate it with what looks to be silver and gold. And in the Bible, it is written that the uh, if you are to follow the Bible, that you shouldn't follow the ways of the Gentiles or the pagans who take trees into their house, pin them up so they don't move, and decorate it with gold. That's not word for word, but that's basically word for Jay, word. Jay, you look and sound very scared. Are you, <laughs> are you worried because... We worship gold. Are you worried because we're worshiping worship golden gold? trees yeah. and the Bible warns against it? Exactly. Dude, that reminds... You know who else worship gold? The Anunnaki. Oh! <laughs> I was about to say, that reminds me <laughs> of some space gods we talked about in our fourth episode? I ripped a page Third out. Third episode? Fourth episode? Our fourth episode. You ripped a page out. Damn. Yeah, so. Jay. Well, you know, some people are... Well, I, I brought a Christmas tree into my house every year. Worried, too. My whole life. Yeah, well, you've been enchanting yourself with something that the Bible warned against. And if yeah. you're a true believer, then I think you need to be Well, it just worried. sucks because you know the other side of what people say. It's like Christmas is such a great time because it's such a giving time and people are so happy during the season, right? But wouldn't you say that you're stressed all the way up until that one day you're with your family... And that time you're with your family is excellent, right? But well, I gotta say, Bows. why aren't people like that all the time throughout ev all of the days and all of the months? Why is it just this one Day. season? I gotta say, buds, I'm not stressed right now, and it's almost Christmas. <laughs> okay. On the seventh day of Christmas, my good friend said to me. Pack up this bowl, light up and take a hit, roll up a joint, let's smoke a blunt or clip. Merry Christmas. Honestly, dude, I think that, Jay, you're being a little fundamentalist right now, dude. You just need to kind of like <laughs> chill out and not worry. Maybe the Bible. No isn't always right or in maybe reality i don't um i don't believe all of it i'm just just laying it out there for people to hear okay well why don't you tell the folks who our next sponsor is well uh our next sponsor today is life essential water flow Life Essential Water Flow, the newest type of water. Ladies and gentlemen, I know you've seen clear water. I've known you've seen sparkling water, maybe even mineral water. Well, we've got some innovation to your hydration. This Essential Life Water is packed with fluoride. Fluoride is the number one ingredient in Prozac. Prozac is great for your brain. I hope you didn't know that because it's already in your drain. Ladies and gentlemen, 
this is not an ad for fluoride. This is a public service announcement. Life essential water is poisoning people <laughs> across the world. There is massive amounts of fluoride in this water. Do not drink it. Throw it outside. Do not pour it in your flowers. Do not pour it in your vegetables or your fruits. Do not use it to cook pasta and do not use it to bathe your infants. This fluoride water is dosed with Prozac. High levels of Prozac. Oh, speaking of gold. I feel like there's a little bit of truth to that. <laughs> there's so much truth to that. Yo, speaking of uh, gold <laughs> and the whole Christmas time, what about the three wise men being ancient magicians, Mark? Did yeah. you get to look that one up? Um, I actually saw this on an episode of Ancient Aliens, and a lot of people might be like, oh, Ancient Aliens, what a great source. But you know what? That's a great program. I think that despite the fact that they do kind of connect the dots in a lot of weird places that I don't always agree with, you got to remember that half of the things that they say on that show are questions. So... I mean, they're not really trying to tell you what to think. They're just asking questions and showing you evidence. Or maybe not evidence, but they're showing you things that are inspiring those questions. And I honestly remember an episode that they did about Christmas, and they were basically saying that the three wise men were some sort of initiates into a secret society, and they helped Jesus become a spiritual being they were like initiated masters ascended masters you know um something like what madame blavatsky wrote about in the theosophical society we get this idea of like ascended beings like katumi and jual call and all these people who are on the fifth dimensional consciousness sphere that connect to us as angels and different beings through the veil of reality that we experience. And um, I think that could have been an example of that in that story. Maybe those three wise men were a little wiser than we're led to believe. You know, maybe they were spiritual beings yeah. and the symbols that they brought with them, um, if we could look that up. They were called magi, right? Well, they were, yeah, and magi. What what did they bring with them? They so brought, like, silver. They brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Exactly. So um, myrrh represents... And they were really into astrology and divination. And in the story, they saw a star, which led them to the birth. Well, myrrh was used as an embalming, an embalming fluid. <clears throat> so that might have had that kind of representation somehow. I don't know what myrrh is. Because, as we remember, the it's a herb, it's a plant. So, but in the previous thing we were talking about with Adonis, when he was left in that um, cave, and his body didn't decay, myrrh was a symbol of that. They used myrrh to embalm people, and that represented. So that's why frankincense and myrrh. That's part of the origin. At least that's what. Interesting. Manly P. Hall's book and says. And then, like, gold is just like the best material. Well, gold also, in an alchemical context, 
represents a purified spirit, a purified soul. And I mean, if Jesus being an ascended master from birth, you know, in the line of Buddha, Krishna, and the other savior gods who, you know, are born human, but have the mind and the abilities and the soul of a god, you know, and they're here for benevolent, helpful, human, humanitarian reasons, you know, I mean, that's a tale old as time. And gold obviously could be a symbol of that, you know, it could be mm. a symbol of a couple other things. I don't know when frankincense is usually associated with myrrh, but I'm pretty sure frankincense is burned um, as a sort of meditation because it's like an incense. I don't know. I don't know all the details on that one. Why would it, it's just weird how they're into astrology and then they see a star and then they go and find this yeah magical event well I, don't know, I think that wraps up the roots of Christmas I think we kind of opened up a lot of doors we didn't make a lot of conclusions maybe more questions and answers on this one but Definitely a lot of interesting things about Christmas. I mean, Coca-Cola giving us the whole idea of Santa Claus the way we see it. That's kind of weird. Coca-Cola is like a huge company. You know, they're manipulating us. Buy Coca-Cola. Yeah, dude. Yeah, buy Coca-Cola. Maybe they had... Maybe <laughs> them and a bunch of companies were kind of conspiratorially involved with making Christmas what it is today is like a big marketing thing, you know? like Right. Coca-Cola and other companies were like, yeah, let's get this Christmas thing moving because everybody's giving us all this money once a year. Something to count on. They uh, they did have those commercials back in the... Back in what? 40s? Back in the Dizzy. <clears throat> of like associating their product with Christmas. Christmas, you know, some mm -hmm. theories, maybe some things that people haven't heard before, but most importantly, thank you for joining us and listening along. We hope you uh, reach out and comment and uh, subscribe and follow us on YouTube and CastBox. And, and email uh, us at Gmail, thebudtriangle at gmail.com. All right. And with that, we hope you have a happy holidays and a happy new year, and uh, we'll see you next episode. Is this some collective motion in seeking absolution? Do we think that all the presence makes up for all the crap? Well, if you think that.
Only on Christmas. Only on Christmas. 